today's sermon. If you listen, and not to me, but to God, if you obey him and if you trust him for what he says, L-O-T, you'll get a lot out of it, I promise you, if you actually stick to the text and listen to what God's word says. And listen, obey, and trust it. Well, today we're in our Grow Up series. We just started week one. This week is week two. And we're starting today. The gospel must be our priority. The children are with us today. And a lot of envy seats because a lot of our family members and friends are traveling today. So we do want to pray for traveling mercies for those that are traveling. And, and we want to back here safely so we can get back into uh, full speed in the education year. So uh, anyone on vacation here from out of town, we welcome you and glad that you're here. And members of guests, like we're like Mike said, we, we're glad that you're here. If you'd like to have us pray together with you, join together as a faith family. If you record those uh, prayer requests and you submit those to the offering plate or to the on your way out, Chris will have those typed up and send them to you electronically if we have your updated email. And then also you can have those. Um, we can even print those for you if you want to come out of the church. Some people last week requested the Catalyst lessons. We have Catalyst Bible study at 9 a.m. So some people have uh, emailed me and said, I'd like to have those. So we can send those notes to you as well. And so today at the end of the service, we have a handout called, What is the Gospel? So make sure before you leave, walk out the doors, one per family if you would. It's just simply, what is the gospel? We always talk about the gospel, and I'll preach about the gospel this morning. But as I hand out this explanatory, so someone says, what's the gospel? Tell me what the gospel is. You'll be able to articulate the gospel, and hopefully from the word of God today, you'll be able to do the same. So let's read together 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm going to begin in verse 18, and we're going to reference several scriptures, and we'll go back and forth on these scriptures, because the Apostle Paul is talking to the church at Corinth. I told you this is an area of Greece. Anyone ever been to, in the Mediterranean over towards Greece in that area? Anyone? I know Bowen and Kelsey have been. Okay, good. And you notice, obviously, the, the formation of the, the cities, the weather, the climate, all those different things. Uh, you, this will be a better understanding for you. We talked about the church at Corinth. These truly are Christians. These are people who've been born again, but they've been saved out of a very... Imagine being saved from a casino in Las Vegas and all the trappings that go with casinos, Right? What happens in Vegas does what? We said it before. It's kind of a catchphrase that the Vegas came up with. Whatever happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Sin City has a nickname. And so this was Corinth. This was the place that all the sailors from the Aegean Sea, they would port there, and then they would basically, there's a four-mile landmass that they would cross. The ship would actually be put up on a lot of different carriers, but they tried logs. They tried a lot of different ways, and they would basically tow the ship across the land uh, this isthmus, this landmass, four miles, and on that four-mile journey over to the Iconian Sea, uh, there would be a party all along the way. There was everything you could imagine that would entrap a man, a woman, but about mostly men in this case because they were men sailors. They would entrap them, and every sinful thing was there. And all these common people that were working, there were people who were blacksmiths, there were people that worked that actually would supply that ship as they traveled through. And it was safer to go across four miles of land with a ship than it was to go around the island because there was terrible winds. Still today, when we changed in the, in the Navy, we would sail the Mediterranean, heavy winds come up, and it's a very dangerous place to be if you don't know what you're doing, especially if you had sails versus under engine power. So they would cross this, a very carnal, very uh, socially diverse area. People of all over the world would travel here. And you can imagine what happens if you get everybody at a seaport. If you've never been to a, a seaport where sailors drop off, uh, they'd always tell us when you, they bring us together, you've got to get in your groups, and they would debrief us. When you come to a, you go into land in a port, they would say, this port has, and they would tell you, this port has, and you'd sit, watch television, you had to watch an information session. This port has... 
so many thieves per capita. This has so many uh, women have AIDS or uh, the different things that would be happening. They would tell you, they'd warn you, stay out of these areas. And I told you, for a sinful sailor, what would they do? It's kind of like a highlight reel. Make sure you go here and do this and this and this because you're going to miss it if you don't. They're known as the red light districts and uh, you want to stay out of those. If you're a Christian, you want to stay out unless God's called you in to go and lead someone to Christ. So these people had been working there, had been truly saved, but they're still reminiscing and still acting out some of their old sinful nature. So Paul's telling them to grow up. You need to grow up because I've got something for you to do. Uh, I got a message from you from the Lord for he's got something for you to do. So let's read together as he picks up. Remember last week there was a little squabble of people saying, well, I like John MacArthur. I like John Piper. I'm a Charles Stanley guy. Well, I'm an Adrian Rogers person. You ever do that? You ever have your favorite preacher you listen to on the radio or television? Some people do. I'm a Joel Osteen guy. I'm a this. People fill in the blanks. I'm this. I'm that. I'm a this person. T.D. Jakes. Well, no, I can't do this. And we list all these different pastors. Tony Evans is one of my favorites. And I guess I am of Tony Evans. He'd be more like a Paulus, right? Because Tony's bold, but he's, he just says words. And I'm like, how come I can't put words together like that? with that kind of th uh, thunder, right? I'm an Adrian Rogers fan. Uh, but he speaks plainly and he speaks to the point. The church was arguing that I'm of Apollos because he's a great orator. I'm of Paul because he's a PhD. He gets to the nitty gritty and he kind of, he, he pulls out the Greek and the Hebrew. He references the Old Testament. Well, I'm of Cephas. He just preaches like it is. He just, he just drops a hammer every time he preaches. And then I'm of Christ. And they were probably the worst bunch in the church because uh, they were pious thinking they were the best. That they, they, The church had divided. And so the church is dividing today. We call it denominations, right? We have different denominations. Why? Because we divide on what the scripture says. Must you be born again according to what Jesus said? Yes or no? Yes. All right, let me ask you a question. Must you be born again and baptized immediately? Did Jesus say that? All right. So baptism follows believing 100% of the time. You always have to be saved first, then baptized. Amen? You understand that? So that's from the scripture, what Jesus says. So there's denominations that have formed, and there's one right, right near us, that says you must, be, you must profess Christ and you must be baptized immediately, otherwise you're not saved. They tie praying, salvation prayer, asking Christ to come into your life with water baptism, saying that it washes away or it is part of the same. Can we agree with that? No. Jace Robertson, he, he spoke here from our men's thing. We had a big event years ago, and he spoke, and, and I didn't know who he was. We worked in partnership with the hospital back then, and I found out he was of this denomination, the Church of Christ. And I found out he was the Church of Christ. And I called him right out here, right outside the door, and I said, hey, Jace, love you. I think you guys are funny. I need to tell you, man, I just found out you're Church of Christ. If you preach Jesus plus baptism, I'm, I'm going to interrupt you. I'm going to be sitting right down front. I'm going to come up, and I'm going to shut your microphone off, and I'm going to come up and clarify that you're wrong. It is not Jesus plus baptism that saves you, church. It's Christ alone. Amen? And that's what Paul says. He said, did, I, did, I, did, you, did you, were you baptized in the name of Paul? Is it for me? He said, don't add anything to it. It's just Jesus. Now, Jesus commands us to be baptized as well because after salvation, it is a demonstration of, hey, on the inside of me has been changed. Look at me as I am baptized outwardly. It shows the world that I'm now a follower of Christ. But what really shows the world is our actions and our words. So let's go into the word now and look. So Paul's, he, there's a little division happening in the church. 
For the message of the cross, verse 18, is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And before we go back to the quote of the Isaiah quote that he references, did Jesus not say in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that whoever believes in him shall not, what? Perish. That's the word he's talking about here. Shall not perish, be separated from God, but have what? Everlasting life. We got into a discussion this week with someone saying, I don't believe you can actually be saved one time and saved forever. Did that hurt my feelings? Because people today will believe there's another denomination in, in town. There's several that says you can be saved today. You can profess your faith in Jesus Christ. You can come to the altar. You do it at home. You do whatever. You can bury your soul to God and really believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. And you can ask him to come in, and he does. But this week you can also sin so bad that he leaves and goes back to heaven or leaves you. And you've got to be saved again. Is that what Jesus said? Did Jesus say you must be born again, 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 again? Because Nicodemus says, how can this be? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb? Jesus said, I'm trying to tell you the reality in John chapter 3. Read it for yourself. He said, Jesus, we know that you're from God for all the miracles you're doing. We, as the Sanhedrin, all the religious rulers know that you're from God. We know it. And Jesus said, you must be born again. And Nicodemus asked that question, how? Nicodemus was one of those who wanted to see a sign he was perishing. He was perishing. He didn't even know it. And he's asking how. And Jesus said, you must be born again. He says, flesh gives birth to flesh. Your mother gave birth to you the first time. The Spirit of God must give birth to you the second time, not the third and fourth time. He mentions two births. And church, let me tell you, and friends, you've been, let me tell you today, if you've been born again after your natural birth, you will die one time. Isn't that amazing to think about? Born twice, die once. If you've been born once just of your mother, you'll die twice because the Bible talks about a second death where everyone who will come who does not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ will be brought up to the great white throne judgment before God and cast into the lake of fire, which is called the second death. That's Revelation. You can read it for yourself. We don't have to like that. Today we hear that we preach that. That sounds foolish. Has anyone in the room seen Jesus? Don't raise your hand if you have. We need to check your diet or what's been happening with you, right? Check your medication. No one has seen Christ. Because he does not do special revelations to anybody individually. His special revelation was when he came as a man, in the form of a man, when he was born of a virgin, when he lived his life, when he walked the streets, when he preached his last three years, when he was crucified on the cross, gave himself up, when he really died, when he really was buried in a borrowed tomb, and when he really rose again the third day, then and there, listen, that's when our pre-incarnate and then incarnate and then resurrected Lord Jesus Christ showed himself that he is God. Now, he showed it throughout his life, but he, he showed it to all of us, and we have it written for us today that he is God. So Paul is writing to these people, when we preach this message, it sounds foolish. Because, like, wait a minute, you're preaching about a guy who lived 2,000 years ago. Have you ever met him? Well, not personally, but I have met him every morning, right? I talk to him every morning. He speaks to me. And how does God speak to you? He speaks to you through his word. So Paul's going to reference all the way back 600 years. He's going to grab back for Isaiah. This is what Isaiah says. He says, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the world, of, of the wise, and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Then Paul's going to write these words under the inspiration of God. He asks a question. This is not insulting because I'll show you in a moment. Because uh, we can read it and go, aha. See, Paul was just, he was just, he was tearing up on people of the age. Because the Greeks, they were looking for we have all those Colosseums and things built by the Greeks. They would just gather together like this, 
and somebody would philosophize. They would just give philosophy out, and they'd go, oh, man, he's a learned man. I just wish I had a little bit of that. And then they would do it again, and they would do it again, and, and you would follow men and other strange people. They'd travel through Corinth. They're like, hey, do you have a new teaching from where you're from? And then they would move forward. So here he goes, verse 20. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? What's the answer, church? Yeah, you're going to find out the answer is yes. For since the wisdom, in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Mark that in your Bible if you mark your Bible. Those who were, they were formerly perishing, but once they believe, they're being saved. It's not foolish preaching, it's the foolishness of preaching. So make sure we get that right. Verse 22, for Jews request a sign, and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jewish stumbling block and to the Greeks' foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Verse 26. For you see your calling, brethren, that's Christians, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. And that's italicized, so, so you'll know that's not in the original. Verse 27. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, he says it three times, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness. Oh, and sanctification. Oh, and redemption. Paul just goes on. He's like, don't forget this. There's so many add-ons, but he's got to stop somewhere. That it is written, he who glories, what should we do, church? Let him glory in the Lord. There he's quoting the prophet Jeremiah. You'll see that in your notes as well. Let's go to your notes because of the sake of time this morning. I want to show you this in your notes. And I hope you make a note of this because some of you might think you're somebody. Whatever names, whatever letters you have behind your name or in front of your name or in the middle of your name, listen, you're on the same ground as everyone else. Now, I'll show you why Paul can say this and why we can say this together because Paul is very clear. The gospel, as today's message, must be our priority. We must put, it must be the centrality of what the church preaches. Are we to help people in need with the song said? Yes, because Jesus, that comes from Scripture. But that's not our priority. Our priority is, number one, is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because if you feed a hungry person, they're going to be hungry again tomorrow. But you've got to give the gospel the bread of life when you give them the bread for their mouth. Does everybody understand that? Yes, it's good to do good deeds, but what's happening in the church today, the social gospel is so prevalent that we've got to go do stuff, do stuff, do stuff. Well, do you share the gospel? Well, no, we just hope it rubs off when they see us do good deeds. Well, listen, your charitable deeds are good because the Bible says, do it before men, right? That they may see your good works and bring glory to your Father in heaven. But salvation comes when we speak the message, when we share the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we give food, we must be given the bread of life. When we actually share water, give out free water, we must give the, the living water. We can't just give out a bottle of water. You understand? Now, that's a good deed. That's a nice thing, and God's probably pleased with that. But I want you to understand that that is not, that is not the only thing the church is responsible for doing. 
We must not get caught up in the trap of the church today that is politically correct from the pulpit. And that's why I said it's the foolishness of preaching the gospel. It's not foolish preaching. This morning, there will be a lot of foolish preaching because preachers will get up and use some text and actually say their own motivational speech today. They'll tell you to love each other, which we should. And they'll tell you to have a great day and go out the door and you go, wow, it's so good to be in God's house today. You should feel sometimes like you're on top of the world when you leave the house of God. Did you know that? But you should crawl later some Sundays like an earthworm because you know your sin. And going, God, I am not even worthy to be in your presence, and yet you love me. So be careful that you listen to what the Word of God says because the Word of God must speak to you. Are there men that can preach powerfully? Yes. That's why Apollos was there. He was a great man of God. But who was he focused on? What did Paul, Apollos preach? He had a little correction from Aquila and Priscilla, but who did he preach? He preached Jesus, and he crucified and resurrected and living forevermore. Who did Paul preach? Jesus, he crucified, resurrected, living forevermore. Who did Peter preach? Jesus, he crucified, resurrected, and living forevermore. Who did Jesus preach? Jesus himself, crucified, buried, and resurrected, living forevermore. Touch my hands and see, he said, to those who would not believe. Touch my hands and see the scars where he was nailed to the cross. He preached himself because it was the plan of God. Well, to your notes, if you would. There in verse 18, like the Apostle Paul, we have a clarion call. Preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. That's why you need that handout sheet. What is the gospel? The gospel is simply this, that you are a sinner, that Jesus is the Savior of all sinners who actually will confess. If we believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, the Bible says, we shall be saved. We confess with our mouth. We believe in our heart, not our bloody muscle, kids, but we believe in who you really are, the inside of me. When you say, do you love mama? You say, yes, I love her with all my heart, right? You're not talking about your bloody muscle that's pumping blood. You're talking about the inner you, who you are. And when you get older, it's the same thing. Do you love Jesus with all my heart? You're not talking about your muscle. You're talking about who you are on your soul, in your inner being. So we have this clarion call, the gospel is clear. Every man, every woman, every boy and girl is a sinner. Around the world, there are no innocent people, have never been one innocent person born on this planet. Now there were two innocent people created, and they sinned. But after those first two, there has never been an innocent person that was 100% person only, except Jesus Christ. He was born perfect man, but he was also perfect God. He never left his if you will, his deity behind in heaven. He was 100% God. He was 100% man, and he never sinned. That's why he could be the ultimate sacrifice. And you say, well, I don't like that there has to be a blood sacrifice. This week I talked to some kids in middle school, high school, and I talked about killing chickens, and one girl went, ugh. I was like, what? It's so much fun wringing a chicken's neck and, and then draining the blood, and, and ugh, she kept cringing, right? Does that make you cringe? And she goes, it just makes me sick to my stomach to think about it. And I'm like, do you go to Chick-fil-A? Oh, yeah, I love Chick-fil-A. Favorites are number one. Uh-huh, that chicken met his fate somewhere, right? He, he, he crossed the line somewhere where he lost his head and all this stuff uh, inside. So he was plucked, and you're eating him on a bun. So we forget that. But we understand if we take the chicken's blood, what are we taking? We take it as life. And if the Savior volunteers his blood his life's blood when we think about the blood if we take his blood and spill it on the ground what is he offering you and me his life as a sacrifice for your sin that's the good news 
Apart from Christ, you're lost forever. You can't have anything. There's no money. There's nothing you can do to be saved. You can't work your way. By the way, there's another denomination in town that tells you, yeah, it's Christ, but you got to work, 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 and hopefully good enough. You do enough good works, he's going to be pleased and let you into heaven. God forbid. Jesus said you must be born again. Did anybody have any control of your birth? Anybody remember it? Yeah, you don't remember it. Why? Because it happened to you. You were created in your mother's womb, and you were just born. It just happened. And that's what the Bible says, Jesus said about the Spirit of God. You must be born again. Can you make yourself born again? You can make yourself no more born again than you can make yourself born the first time from your mother's womb. You had nothing to do with it besides just say yes and amen, right? And allow meh on the way out, right? So what I want you to understand this morning, what Paul tells us is we have this clarion call. The gospel is this. Every man, woman, boy, or girl, lost, separated from God. But God has sent his son, Jesus Christ, to redeem the world that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. When you confess Christ, then in that very moment you are saved for all of eternity. Period. Stop. There is no addition to it. Well, you say, well, don't I have stuff to do? Because Jesus said to let our work show. Yes. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10, we've read it so many times. It's by grace that you're saved through faith. Not of your works. You can't brag and say, I did it my way. You can't say that. Nobody can. No matter how many good deeds we do. You just must come and say, okay, God. And you've had to do it. You've got to humble yourself. I receive. Americans are the worst, right? How many times do we like to ask for help? Anybody? Who loves asking for help? Who loves asking for help? Hey, would you help me? Uh, I need some money. Would you let, borrow, me, let me borrow some money? We hate asking for help for anything. Well, at least I do. Maybe you're better than me. But maybe you're lying in church today, right? Asking somebody to help you when, it, when you know you can, there's something about it you can do yourself. Well, this is the way it is. With Jesus, you've got to stick your hand out and say, Lord, would you help me? I'm a lost man, a woman, boy, a girl, and I'm sorry for my sins. Would you forgive me? And forgiveness, asking for forgiveness, it's one, why is it so hard for us to do it? Will you forgive me? It's some of the hardest words that come out of our heart and out of our mouth. Why? Because we're sinful people. We're proud people. We want to do it our way, and we know if we have to humble ourselves, I feel like I'm making you greater than me, and that's exactly what you're doing with Christ. You're stopping and saying, look, you are greater, I am lesser. You are the only one, I'm, you're perfect, I'm imperfect. I'm, I'm giving you mama trash, and you're giving me holiness, and you're giving me sanctification, you're giving me eternal life, you're giving me protection here on earth, you're giving me your great physician uh, abilities, you're giving me all the stuff that I don't deserve, and all I've got is this junk. And that's all you got, church and friends, that's all you got. You got junk to bring Jesus. But listen, Jesus wants your junk, right? And he'll turn back around, what does he do with it? He justifies your junk, you as a person. He takes it and says, get rid of that. Now use this for my glory. He's going to give it back to you and give you a mission. Ephesians 2.10 says, you're the workmanship of Christ. You're the artist piece of Christ, and he's got work for you to do. So listen, your assignments are out there. It's listed daily what you're supposed to do daily. You have a daily assignment, and if you're not a Christian, you're missing your daily assignment. But when you do give your life to Christ, if you're not reading his word and heeding his word, you're still missing your daily assignment. 
Can you say, I have done all that Christ asked me to do on Saturday? I finished it. It's possible to do that because with Christ, I can do all things. Because the strength comes from where? From Him. He makes the assignment. He saves my soul. And He gives me the strength to carry it out. You can't live the Christian life by yourself. You'll never make it. It's Christ alone. That's why we sing His song. It is Christ alone. He does everything. All we have to do is say yes and amen. And once you get past your pride barrier, listen, you'll start asking Jesus for the craziest of crazies. And you'll start, Lord, you know this need. You, Lord, you heard what she said. You heard what he said. You know how they're doing me, Lord. What do you do? Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, right? Our nature is to get revenge. The Lord says, let me have it. And when you give it to the Lord, you've got to be so careful because what's what you pray for? Because the Lord, will, he works quickly. Now, quickly in his time, our time might be years. You go, wait a minute, I've been praying for something for years. Wait upon the Lord, church. Wait upon him. Watch the second part of verse 18. Paul was a very educated man with a certain pedigree, yet he preached the power and wisdom of God to the common man in common language. Paul could have overspoke everybody in his crowd. He had the ability. He was a Pharisee. He was educated. He came from a wealthy family. He was a European and a Jew. He was a Roman citizen, and he was a Jew, which was a very hard thing to do. Most Jews had to buy their citizenship or had to work for it. It wasn't something that you were born into. Paul says he was born a Roman citizen. Paul was a Pharisee of the Jews. Paul was your man. He was the one, if you look to him, you say, well, that dude's got it all. He's got it all. And yet, what does he do? He gives all. He says, I, can't, I consider everything I've ever accomplished, everything I have. He even says the word dung as waste. He says, kids, he's, Paul said, all my education, now it's good to get education. Don't, don't, mistake, don't misquote me this morning. Get your education. But Paul said, compared to knowing Jesus, we would say it's, it's like poop. That's what Paul said. Right? I know the kids are here. I want to put it in their language. Paul says it's nothing compared to knowing Jesus Christ. He didn't say it's nothing, period. He said compared to knowing Christ. The comparison doesn't even compare. Let's continue. There Paul understood that in every audience there were two types of people. And there's two types of people that are here today. And there's people that are watching by this video. They're here. They're here. There, there were those people who were perishing from unbelief. That's why you die and go to hell is because you won't believe. Not because you can't believe. Because you can do all things through Christ. He'll give you the strength to believe. You just got to submit your hard heart. Change your hard heart to a humble heart and say, I don't fully understand this, but man, I need something. Because listen, sin will get heavy. Did y'all know that? The longer you carry that sin, it'll, it'll bear you down. It'll push you down. It'll make your heart go bad. It'll make your stomach go bad. It'll make your back go bad. It'll make your feet go bad. Your knees go bad, right? It just goes bad. We call it old age, but listen, really and truly, you see young people today burying the burdens, and they just can't go on. Uh, they don't even know which way to go, which way is up. But I want you to understand, people are perishing today because of unbelief. And they were also there, those people who were being saved by the power of God because of their beliefs, right? Because they believed. They put their faith into us. I don't fully understand this Jesus because they didn't see Jesus either. He's already been dead, buried, and resurrected. They didn't see him. This Paul Jesus preaches, right? This good news Jesus, uh, Paul preaches. They, just like us, they had to believe by faith. I'm sure they'd heard stories, but they had to believe. They had to submit. And that's a very tough thing for us to do today. Same thing in 18 there. Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, understood that preaching of the cross was foolishness to those who would not believe. 
and I put it in here, after all, he was one of them. That's why I said he could say this, because remember Paul? What was his name before Paul? Saul. Did he hear the gospel preached? Yes. Who did he hear preach the gospel? Stephen, because the Bible says he was there holding the cloaks of the men who stoned Stephen to death. He had heard the gospel. He knew these Christ followers were crazy people who are putting their faith and trust in this guy called the Messiah, this guy named Jesus. So Paul had heard the truth, thought it was foolishness, and thought in himself, I will eradicate this disease from Judaism. I'm going to kill everybody or have them locked up. I will take this message and I will destroy it. Because to Paul, as an educated man, when he was Saul, he thought it was absolute foolishness. So when he speaks, not many noble, he was noble. So he couldn't say no nobles, right, because he, he would have counted himself out. But what Paul was saying is, in every crowd, there's those people who are perishing. I was one of those perishing people, is what he's really saying. If you read between the lines, he's like, I'm talking about me. All of my education, all of my family background, my family riches, all of my European degrees, whatever I have, all my Judaism being in, in the front, everybody's saying, Paul's a boy. Paul's going to rip that church apart. Paul's going to arrest everybody in Jerusalem. Paul's going to stop this mess because, after all, the same men who had Jesus crucified, even though Jesus allowed himself to be crucified, were the same men that Paul was running with. This was his people. This was his group. And he said, I'm taking all that aside when he was knocked down. If you want to read for yourself Acts chapter 9, Jesus knocked him off his high horse and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And I'm Jesus who you been persecuting. He gave him some instructions on what to do, and Paul immediately went into town, did what he was told to do, commanded to do, and Ananias was told, he's going to be my suffering servant. Does anybody want that title today? Would you like to have Paul's position in heaven today? I would. Man, good grief. He's got, how many of y'all have been saved? You heard somebody read the Rome, book of Romans or any of the 13 epistles he wrote? Anybody ever hear any of those messages before you became a Christian? Go, I accept Jesus Christ based on what the word of God says. Who penned that word of God? If you read through Romans, it's Paul. So Paul, every time somebody gets saved, there's another one in heaven. There's another one in heaven. It's because of Jesus, but Paul was obedient. So Paul gets, if you will, a reward based on everybody that's saved. It's not a pyramid scheme, but God has a reward system based on our faithfulness. If you're faithful, listen to heaven every time, even after you're dead, if you've left a message, you've left a legacy every time that somebody gets saved through your financial gift or through your Bible that's left behind or through a video series you do right now, the internet, it's loaded with podcasts. You can make almost anything out and get it to the world. Somebody just might stumble on it and watch it. You leave a legacy. You have work to do, church. And like Paul, you still can reap those rewards forever in heaven. But listen, the world says it's foolish. They've taken God out of our schools. They, they want to take, we've taken God out of most of our churches, right? We've taken God out of, the, out of the courthouses. We want to do it our way. And what's happening is we're getting our results. Crime's at an all-time high. Abortion is trying to find on every corner. We have illnesses. We have stress-related uh, issues. More mental health. How many times have you heard the word mental health talked about in the last, I don't know, 10 or 12 years? You got more people on drugs and saying, well, it's your right to use those drugs. We got more people on prescription medications that can't get off of them, opioids, and all the things we talk about in our society. As a matter of fact, it was, when I was studying this week, it blew my mind that Anheuser-Busch and Mothers Against Drunk Driving teamed up to bring the commercial that I listened to. 
Think about that for a second. Anheuser-Busch, maker of beer, and Mothers Against Drunk Driving teamed up together to bring a message of don't drink and drive. Where's the problem? Is it the Mothers Against Drunk Driving? Where's the problem, church? The problem is the beer. Every time that there's somebody who gets killed from a DUI, Budweiser should get sued. Every time, or Coors, or whoever it might be, if they can find out who produced the product, that's the person that should pay for it. The CEOs and all those who peddle that mess to our society. And if you don't know, don't think, I don't know what I'm talking about. Listen, I used to be an unsaved sailor. So don't tell me, oh, Pastor, you don't know what you're talking about. You, know, you, don't, you don't know. You're just a pastor. You have all that religious, you, know, you, you hide behind the cloak. I'm telling you, I was that man. Only by the grace of God, it didn't lead me far astray from, from my for my Lord. The Lord saved me from all that mess. And I'm telling you, I'm speaking from experience, but I'm also telling you, every time I hear of, of a DUI, every time I hear of a domestic violence situation, I want to say, dear God, every solution we try to offer is just, just putting, it's just, we're putting lipstick on a pig. The, the source is the source. Would you agree? Well, Pastor, why are you judging? Because people are dying and going to hell. Amen? And if I offended you today, very good. I want you to write this notes down if you're in your notes on that there. First Timothy chapter 1. First Timothy chapter 1. Let's go there if you would. Let's, I didn't have it up on the screen because I want you to turn to it with me. First Timothy chapter 1. When you're there, say amen. I'm waiting on you because this is important. I want you to see Paul's just not, he's just not a preacher preaching and telling people, this is what you better do. This is your business. He's preaching and telling you, listen, I'm trying to tell you, this is how I was saved. This preacher up here on this platform today, I'm not trying to preach to you and say, I'm better than you. I'm not telling you that, saying that I have all the answers. I'm telling you what the Word of God says, and this is very much what Paul says. First Timothy chapter 1, are you there? Say amen. Let's go to verse 12 together. Paul says this, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. You say, well, that's an awesome call. But watch this. Paul's going to continue to tell you who he was. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly. How? Ignorantly in unbelief. He didn't know the truth. The truth hadn't been revealed to him yet until Jesus encountered him on that road to Damascus. But he's going to continue. What's this? He's going to, he's going to crank, he's, he, he's firing up the turbos here. And the grace, verse 14, and the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. Here he goes. Mark this down. If you mark your Bibles, this is a great one to circle. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. However, for this reason, I obtained mercy that in me first, Christ, Jesus Christ might show all long-suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. And then he just goes in right to a doxology. Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory. How long, church? Forever and ever, amen. The time that we're going to spend with him forever. Paul's like, listen, I'm not telling you something I haven't experienced. I'm not just preaching to you because I'm a preacher. I have had a personal love relationship with Jesus Christ, and now I want you to have it. I want you to have what I have. And, and if, I could just, if I could choke you and pour it down your throat, I'd give it to you, right? If I could force and shake it into you, I'd do it. But how do we do it? We do it through the foolishness of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, the foolishness of preaching the cross. Somebody's going to say, 
My life's in disrepair. I need Jesus. I need what he's preaching. Somebody's going to say, I've heard that before. There's no way some invisible God's going to save me. Here's the deal. Both of those people in this church today, those who receive Jesus Christ, listen, we're saved through the power of God. It makes no sense except that God said so, therefore it is so. Amen? And those of you that are unbelievers going, there's no way. Jesus can't save me. I don't believe it's that simple. Listen, walk out that door, you are perishing as you listen and as you hear and reject. And as you walk out that door, you're perishing and you might perish forever because you're not promised tomorrow. That should have been an amen right there. Amen? You're not promised tomorrow. Jesus said today, listen, the word of God says today is the day of salvation. Let's get to the notes really quickly. God foretold to the prophet Isaiah that he would destroy worldly wisdom that leads to unbelief. We must listen, obey, and trust the truth from God. That's Isaiah 29, 13 there in your notes. There's 16. God's power is and God's power of wisdom is superior to man's. Here, I'll put this in there for some of you. Somebody in this room, God is smarter than you. Amen? Some of you think you know better than God. I didn't put wisdom. I put smarter. God's smarter than you. If you're advanced in math, if you're advanced in the, the social sciences, listen, if you're advanced in whatever you're in, listen, who created all that? God. If you're advancing the natural laws, guess who supernaturally made them? God. Who's in charge of everything? The children are learning about the sovereignty of God beginning this week. Did you know that? Our children are going to be learning about the sovereignty of God. So make sure you have your children in a catalyst class. Make sure you have your children. Tonight there won't be services because of the weekend, the Labor Day weekend. Make sure you have your children in a Catalyst Sunday morning class. Make sure you have your children in a, in a Sunday evening class. Make sure you have some of your children in a Wednesday evening class. Listen, you say, well, that's too much of church. Well, then you don't know the Jesus I know. I can't get enough of Jesus. Now, you can learn at home, and you should. Dads, moms, you should be teaching at home. Teenagers are here. They're learning. Moms and dads, we have Bible studies for you. You see in the bulletin what's available to you. You don't have because why? Because you don't ask or attend. A lot of people say, just keep the services going. And somebody addressed me and said, are you, we haven't said enough services? I was like, I don't know, we'll see. They said they wouldn't, might not come to church back if we don't have said enough services. And I haven't seen them in Sunday night in two years. Listen, just because you want something to make sure it's good, don't mean we have it, right? Because how do you actually show that you want something in this life? You either show up for it or you pay for it. Amen? How do you know you want to go to a movie? You drive there, you get $18 worth of popcorn, right? And you walk into a theater. You, you actually show by your attendance, you show by your giving, you show by your want to. Listen, what's in here comes out through here and through your wallets and through your checks, right? What do we want to do? If we want to go forward in Jesus' name, we'll do it together under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. The church is God's chosen ones. And I'm not just talking about here of, oh, oh, now we're actually talking about Reformed theology. That is not what I'm saying here. If you're saved, you've been chosen by God. We'll talk about that later. That's another message for another day. He has called us to preach the gospel. He called Paul to preach the gospel. He's called you and me to preach the gospel. Look at verse 26 there. God's tool chest is full of common instruments. Does it feel weird that God calls you common? Commoner. That's me. He saves the blue-collar workers. There's a couple white-collar workers every once in a while saved in there. But listen, he's a blue-collar kind of guy. He's a white-collar kind of guy. And he's a light blue kind of guy as well. Did you know that? No matter what your stripe is, 
or no-collar guy. He loves you, and he wants to see you born again. Jesus loves all people. But he says, for the masses, listen, those people sitting around philosophizing and trying to say, oh, that's understandable. I'll take a little bit of Jesus. I'll take a little bit of this, but I won't put my full faith in him alone. That's crazy. Those people are perishing. He's very clear. We're the chosen ones that have chosen, but we must preach the gospel. God's tool chest is full of common instruments. God has chosen to show his strength and the Christian's weakness. Isn't that amazing to think about? You say, well, I can't. Every time you say, hey, we're going to go out, we're going to go, do it pr- pretty soon. We're going to go out knocking on doors again. The old way, remember how they used to come to doors? They're going to think we're Jehovah's Witness or Mormons, but we're going to come and say, we have a better news, right? Because we have the good news. And some people get so excited, I can't do it. In your weakness, guess who's strong? The Lord Jesus Christ. Every time you say, I can't, he says, that's right. But you can't through me. I can't through you. When we need new teachers, we got two new classes we need to develop. We need Bible teachers for those classes. Well, Pastor, I just can't. Why not? If your mouth works and you have a Bible and you're born again, guess who can? And you're called to be a teacher. Stop sitting, soaking, and souring, right? How many people sit for 30, 40, 50 years in church and never give back to the Lord in any capacity whatsoever? They just won't give me some more. Give me some more. Give me some more. That's good. Give me some more. Give me some more. Give me some more. And they never do anything for the Lord. God forbid that we would live like that. And you're going to answer for that when you get to heaven. You will give an answer for that. God's people must live lives of humility, knowing Christ is their fullness. In in and of themselves, believers have nothing to brag about. We can't say anything. What do I bring to the table? Zero. God's determined gift is that all believers are in Christ Jesus. You say, well, that's elementary. Well, we need to be preaching the elementary story, don't we? One plus one is? You still tell kids that, don't you? We must continue to say that no matter what, that Jesus Christ is the gift. Jesus revealed that last part of verse 30. Jesus revealed God's plan of salvation. Jesus did that. Jesus makes us acceptable to God. Jesus does that. Jesus makes us holy and sets us apart. Jesus does that. Jesus provides our ransom for the penalty of sin. Jesus does that. Paul and, the, Paul and the prophet Jeremiah quote the Lord when they exhort us to brag on the Lord. And I put it in the end, go King Jesus, right? Now go back to, if you would, on the notes, go back up to God determine the gift. Is that all believers are in Christ Jesus. I want you to go back up a little bit so you can see that. I want you to fill in these blanks because this is important for you this week. And let's get to the next slide if you would. What Jesus does. Jesus revealed God's plan of salvation because he was God's plan of salvation. Did you know that? Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved. Isn't that a good news? Doesn't that excite you at all? I want you to see Jesus makes us acceptable to God. Look at that. Without Jesus, you are, Christ can't even, God can't even look upon your sin. Only when you're covered by the blood. And today you say, well, how am I before God today? Because I still sin today. When God sees you, he sees his son, Jesus Christ. He knows your name. He knows who you are, but he has chosen to forget and pass away that sin because of the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why he says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He waits to do that for you. He waits to do that for me. Jesus makes us holy. Anybody feel holy today? We talk to people, listen, you should walk around with your chest up a little bit. Jesus makes me holy. I am holy because of Jesus. Did I say perfect? No, not perfect. There is one part of you that's perfect. Did you know that? Wherever the Holy Spirit dwells, I don't know if it's in the head or heart. I don't know where he lives. That, that part of you is perfect. 
right? You're not perfect. You won't be till you get to heaven when you get what's the word glorified, right? Jesus provides our ransom. You owe the debt. He paid the price, right? You've seen the movies where somebody kidnaps somebody and there's ransom money for X amount of million. You can have your kid back. You can have this person back. Well, that's the way it was. Satan had us ransom. Listen, we're like this. Satan's like, uh-huh, got him. When Adam and Eve sinned, got them all. Got all of humanity made in the image of God. I got them collected. And Jesus said, I don't owe you anything, but I'm coming. I'm owing the Father. I'm coming to pay the price. When he died on that cross, church, listen, he paid the price that you might be ransomed. You might be set free through his blood. Makes no sense. And we're about to have the Lord's Supper, and we're going to celebrate what he did on the cross, what he did in the resurrection, and what he does today sitting on the throne, listen to the right hand of God, saying it's only through the blood. Only through the blood you're going to come to me. I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except how? Jesus said, through me. You're not coming to heaven until you give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. There is no other way. Let's pray. Father God, I I thank you that you know all things. And Lord, I do thank you today that you made it so simple a child can understand it, but Lord, so complex that the philosophers can't figure it out. Father, you want us to put titles down. You want us to put backgrounds and biographies and everything about who we think we are. You want that put aside so that we can be saved. Father, would you save someone here today that's near as hell? Father, that person just, they don't know the next moment that they're going to pass away. and None of us do know that. Father, help us because we're helpless. But Lord, take our hard hearts and let us be softened and hear what you're trying to say to us through your word. Help everyone that hears my voice, Lord, and and maybe watches in the future be born again. May they receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and as their Savior and be set free forever to live this life you've given us. We bless you today. Lord, if there's Christians today that are mediocre lifestyles, Lord, they're, they're trying to keep one foot in like the Corinthian church. They haven't fully grown up. They still have their baby ways. Lord, I pray you'd rebuke their hearts and show them they need to get back on the path of righteousness and live for you. Father, there's Christians today that are successful and Lord, they're living that holy lifestyle and they're doing the best they can through the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, encourage them today with your word. We thank you and we love you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray for his sake, amen.